Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Fatman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 what's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio brought to you by I'm the Fat Man.com. And I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie. So thank you for joining today. We're going to have Sean Stevenson on. And I think I spelled Sean's last name wrong. It's actually with the B and I put a PH. I don't know. I think I might have been in a basketball mold there because I know that there's a basketball player that has the last name Stevenson, but he spells it with a PH. So mistake there on my part. Um, if you have not connected with me, please connect with me on Facebook. My Facebook uh, uh, handle is facebook.com slash fatmanradio. You can go in there and join the fan page. You get the latest updates on the show. If you are on Twitter, connect with me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is the fat underscore man, and fat is spelled P-H-A-T. If you've been listening to the show, you know that. But in case you haven't, Fat is spelled with P-H-A-T, so it's the fat underscore man. I'm actually on Pinterest. I don't use that much, but if you can find me on Pinterest, I don't know my Pinterest handle, handle, but um, you can look for me on there. I'm sure there's a way to search for me, and then you can find me on Pinterest. So tonight, good show for you tonight. I'm already going to call this one. Um, we have Sean Stevenson on the show. He's going to be talking about his new book, Sleep Smarter. Proven Tips to Sleep Your Way to a Better Body, Better Health, and Bigger Success. So we'll be talking once again about sleep. And Sean should have some really good tips for you uh, in regards to uh, sleep and how you can get better sleep. So we'll go ahead and bring Sean on the show here. What's cracking, Sean? Welcome to Fat Man Radio. How you doing, man? You there, Sean? Hey, Sean, are you there? Let me see if I can bring him back on here. You there, Sean? Hey, Sean, can you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Hey, hey, I don't know what happened there. Can you can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you real good, man. All right, real man, I'm good, man. How you doing? Thank you. I'm I'm doing great, man. I um had to refocus here. Um, in the month of August, man, I had some some things happen. So, but you know, you, it's always good to get refocused on, refocus and ready to, to move forward with the show, man. So glad you could join us tonight. It's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Cool, cool. Sean, before we get into your book, I actually read the book. I finished it up last night. Really good book, by the way. Before we get into that, I wanted to ask you to, because I've heard you on another show, uh, and I wanted you to kind of get into your background and how you got into this crazy um, world of uh, nutrition. Absolutely. Uh, well, my story is, is kind of interesting for sure. Uh, when I was, well, it really begins as far as health is concerned. When I was 16 years old, I was an aspiring athlete, really doing great in school and excelling in, in sports and academics and a uh, scholar athlete and that whole good thing. And I was doing a time trial in track, and I was doing a 200-meter sprint, and I broke my hip. Okay, I just wow. was sprinting. And straight up, you know, the, my iliac crest, the tip of my hip broke off. And I didn't know it at the time. You know, I just kept on, actually finished practice, came back the next day or two. And then finally, um, I went in to see a physical therapist and, um, and to get an x-ray. And they just put the, put the x-ray up, and there's my, the tip of my hip just off in space. And apparently, so I, my bones were so brittle, I pulled the muscle, and my, and my bone pulled away with it. And so I did the typical thing, you know, did the physical therapy, some ultrasound, heat, cold, jacuzzi, got better, got back out there on the track. And funny thing was nobody stopped to ask, like, why would this kid's hip break? You know, somebody who's supposed to be so vital and young, why would his bones be so brittle? No one questioned that. So fast forward four years later, again, aspiring athlete in college now, and I'm starting to have trouble walking. I got this radiating pain going down the back of my leg 24-7, like literally wakes me up out of my sleep if I change positions. The pain would wake me up. So I go in to see the physician. He has me go get an MRI this time of my spine, 
which I'm thinking is awkward because, you know, my hip and my, my butt and my leg is what's actually having the pain. Why would I get a, an image of my spine done? So anyways, I get the MRI done. He puts it up for me to see, and I'm just like, okay, doc, what do I got to do? Patch me up, you know, because I was used to working with my trainers, physical therapists, and he's just like, whoa, hold on, son. Um, there's nothing that you can really do about this condition. He had me look at the MRI, and he said, son, you've got the spine of an 80-year-old. And in my brain at the time, like, it didn't register. I'm 20 years old. How can I have the spine of an 80-year-old? What does that mean? And I said, okay, so what do we need to do to fix this? And there and to this day, I don't know what kind of, I don't know, some, my fairy godmother or spirit talked through me or something, but I asked this question. I don't know why because I had no idea that it meant anything at the time. And I asked him, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? Should I change the way that I'm eating? Should I exercise differently? And he looked at me like I was from another planet. And he said, this has nothing to do with what you're eating, son. This is just a condition that you're going to have to live with. You have degenerative disc disease, and you're going to just have to manage this. You're going to have to wear a back brace. We'll get you a back brace. We'll get you some medication. You're just going to have to live with this. And that's obviously very disheartening to hear that when you're 20 years old and you've got your whole life in front of you that you're going to be in this pain and that you're, you're not going to be able to do a lot of things that you want to do with your life. So fast forward, to make a long story short, two and a half years go by, I see four other doctors. They all tell me the same thing. I was about to take my medication before I went to sleep one night, two and a half years later, and it just came, hit, rushing in like a, I can't even explain it, just something changed. And it wasn't like, again, like unicorns came out and leprechauns and I got free wishes or something, but my mm -hmm. life changed like in a snap when I realized like I'd been giving my health away and putting my faith over into these doctors for these past two and a half years, and I continued to get worse and worse and worse. And I wasn't going to accept that this was the only way that my life was going to go. So right then I made the decision that I was going to get well. And that's very, very important for everybody to understand that you must make a decision first before the process of healing actually takes place. You have to decide that that's what you want. That you have to decide that that's going to be the outcome for you. And most people never do that. It's kind of got wishful thinking. You know, like I hope or would somebody help me? And these are the disempowering questions I was asking. You know, why won't somebody help me? Why is this happening to me? And your brain is wired up. The reticular cortex, reticular activating system in your brain is wired up to look for answers to the questions you ask it. So you're going to get more affirmative reasons why your life is messed up and why you don't have your help. So I started to ask more empowering questions. And it changed my life, you know, asking, what is it that I need to do to completely heal my body? What is it that I need to do to understand everything I can about wellness and health? Not disease. I don't need to focus on disease as much. I want to know about it so that I can overcome it. You know, so I really start to focus on health and wellness versus the medical paradigm, which is a disease focus. They focus on sickness and treatment for disease, you know, and not actually curing or healing or recovering fully from a disease. It's just treatment. So when, that, when I asked that question and I, and I put a plan together starting the next day and six weeks later, Again, another fast forward. It was as if I had never been in pain before. The pain was totally gone. I'd lost 30 pounds. But again, results not typical, you know, throw up the quotes, um, <laughs> because I'd just spent two and a half years laying on my floor, really. You know, I'm playing Madden all the time. I'm in college, so I'd gained a significant amount of weight. Flew off of me. I got my vitality, not back, but better than it had ever been before. And this was just scratching the surface. You know, maybe we can talk about some of the things I did to get well. And, of course, I went back to see my physician, took a scan of my back. My two herniated discs had retracted. I had gotten more juiciness back into my disc. I had regenerated my spine, and what he had told me was not possible. You know, and what he said was, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You know, and now it's widely known that absolutely you can regenerate tissue, but you've got to give your body the raw materials that it requires for you to do that. If you don't do that, next impossible for your body to do that job. It wants to heal you, but you've got to create the conditions for that to actually happen. Yeah, man, your story sounds so much. I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, this sounds so similar to what happened to me, but it was in the case of my mom passing away. And I remember 
going into the hospital and seeing my mom there and, you know, she wasn't breathing. And I was like, man, something is not right here. And I had been in the pharmaceutical industry. I just, I never questioned the industry that I was in, but I remember at that moment, I made a decision to try to find out everything I could about health and wellness. And you also mentioned something that I'm really big on is getting third and fourth opinions. I avoided a knee surgery by doing that. I played basketball a number of years. And after I finished playing, I went to a physician. I had just finished playing a pickup game of basketball, and my knee swollen up to the size of a grapefruit. And I'm like, man, I've never had an injury in college. When I went to him, he's like, okay, we got to get you in surgery. I said, nope, <laughs> I'm not getting right. surgery. And I went <clears throat> to two other physicians. And finally, after going to see the fourth physician, he finally asked me, um, let's go ahead and get an uh, MRI done on your knee. So he did the MRI, and they found out that I had uh, arthritis in both knees. But had I just listened to that first person, I would have just really um, gone ahead and gotten surgery, an uh, unneeded surgeon. I think a lot of people do that, and that just rang so true to me when I heard you say that because it's very important for people to get a third and fourth opinion because I've seen where people got misdiagnosed with cancer, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I actually wanted people to hear that story because I thought it was amazing when I heard you on another podcast and for you to, you know, be that cognizant of uh, not believing what a doctor told you and kind of taking your power back into your own hands. I think a lot of people need to hear that message. So um, I, I just wanted you to share that. So thank you for doing that. It's my pleasure, man. And, you know, just to add a little something to it, you know, I actually dedicated a show to what to do when you're diagnosed with an illness. And there's four specific steps that I go into. And one of the most important steps is to stop, you know, just to stop. Because when you get into a situation where, you know, you might have an acute infection or you might uh, be in for sickness where they are uh, discovering some form of cancer, they tend to make it a very a doomsday type of presentation of the data, you know, mm. because of just what they're trained to do. As a matter of fact, they're not trained to be more compassionate and understanding and to explain options and to give the person time to think because many people don't realize that if we're talking about a cancer situation, for a tumor to even be able to be picked up, it generally mm. takes upwards of, uh, I'm sorry, as, as little as a year for that tumor to develop. Okay, so that to the degree that we can actually uh, monitor and see that, yeah, we've got a tumor issue here. So it's not like the tumor is going to take you over right now, today. It took you a year just to get to the point where we can even see it a little bit. All right, you've got some time to explore your options. So, um, yeah, I definitely, like, I dedicated a whole show. I don't know which episode that is. And by the way, I don't know if you already said, uh, said this, but, yeah, the Model Health Show is my show over on iTunes. We've been featured as the number one health show in the world. Is because we're delivering information like that, not just breaking down illnesses, you mm-hmm. know, which we do. We break down what is cancer. How do we actually create the conditions in our body to reverse cancer? Most people don't even know, get the opportunity to know what it is. You know, mm-hmm. it's just this thing we're in fear of. Reversing diabetes, heart disease, getting off your statins, your antidepressant medications, whatever the case may be. But what about the strategies on our day-to-day life when something does happen? What do we do? So that's the kind of stuff we talk about, and I absolutely love, and I love even doing these interviews, like being on, on your show, you know, because this mm-hmm. platform is so powerful, man. And I absolutely love doing my show and just, I can't even believe, you know, even when I talk about it, like being number one in the world on iTunes, you know, it's like, that's reserved for like boy bands, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> being number yeah. one in the world on iTunes, you know, but it, right. it's health, and people are excited about this stuff, and it's a real change that's happening right now, and I'm real honored to be a part of it yeah yeah i've listened to your show your show is good i listen to you i listen to sean i listen to um uh jimmy um your shows kind of those three shows are the ones that i listen to there's a lot of them out there um um amir people like that but um there's a lot of shows out there i hope people listen to mine but <laughs> but yeah, um, right, right. yeah yeah, so your show, if you have not listened to Sean's show, please go in and download in iTunes, and uh, you can learn a lot. That's how I ended up, started started to learn about health, was just listening to other people's podcasts. But it's called what, the Model, Model Health Show, right? The Model Health Show. Yep, just put in, in on iTunes or Stitcher, and they'll, and they'll find me. And, you know, I'm a big supporter of other podcasters as well. 
And yeah. it's because, again, this medium is so powerful. You know, so I've got a lot of respect and admiration for what you're doing just to be like, you know, I'm hearing this information, I'm embodying it in my life, and now I'm going to go and share this and create a platform to have these conversations, you know, because you never know that your communication could reach somebody in a way that I didn't. You know, that's why it's so important that we're all out there talking about these things and getting this conversation going so we can, you know, really filter, filter this information into our own lives, our families, and then our communities, you know, because we need to change things in a big, big way right now. You know, a lot of stuff is not going in the right direction, but at the same time, a lot of stuff is. You know, we just got to switch over our focus and our attention and to really empower people to take control of their health, first of all, because when you're healthy, you can actually do more good. When you're healthy, you can actually be of higher service, you know, but a lot of times we're sacrificing our health to try to accumulate some kind of stability or even money, you know, and then what happens is for the wealthy clients that I have had over the years, these individuals have wasted their health trying to get rich, and now they're spending all their money trying to get their health back. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be that person. You can have both. It's a both-end world, but you've got to understand that the reality is today, the people who are becoming the most successful understand that it's the long game. It's the long game, not the short game. It's not a sprint. You've got to set yourself up for the long game. So you need to be healthy. You need to be focused. You need to have your sleep in order. You need to have things pointing in the right direction, and it makes everything infinitely easier as far as achieving the success that you want. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, let's get into your book, man. I don't want to spend too much. Actually, I can already tell I need to have you back on the show because we can just do a whole show on talking about disease and doctors and all of that other stuff. So at some point, I'd like to get you back on. But we're, we're going to tackle your book because I know that's your baby. And, yeah. <laughs> and you just came out with it. So we're going to tackle your uh, Sleep Smarter book. So let me ask you um, this question just right off the bat. What made you decide to do a book on sleep? Okay, good question. Um, because sleep isn't necessarily a sexy topic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what I did, what really drove me to create the book, uh, number one, I did a post. I, I wrote a post on it, and it was one of the most shared and commented on and popular posts I had done. It's just like, wow, that's interesting. People are really uh, digging this information about sleep, and I did, did some, you know, some tactics and strategies on improving your sleep quality. And a lot of, you know, people writing in just saying, you know, there's a lot of laughs in there too. You know, I made it fun. I made it something that became more attractive. It's just like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to employ some of this stuff. You made it attractive to me, Sean, and I'm going to do this stuff. And the people were sending me in messages that they were feeling better and getting better sleep as a result. So I took that and then I split it up into a three-part series on my show talking about sleep. And those, when I looked at the uh, downloads for my shows, they were in the top 10 of all my downloads for my shows. And at the time, I had maybe 45 shows in the bank. So I'm like, that's interesting. Like, people really want to know about this. So it wasn't just my, like, you know, idealistic thing. It was the people. You know, people want to know. And and a lot of people realize that sleep is a big hole in their game. You know, they might be eating organic food and eating real food and whole foods and that whole thing, and they might be exercising uh, maybe too much, but they know that they're really lacking in the sleep department. And so that, number one, was a driving force. Like, people want to know about this. The second driving force was the fact that when I had my, my patients coming in to see me, what I was discovering was that, again, people could be eating a great diet, exercising, you know, consistently, maybe often again, sometimes too much, but they were wondering why they weren't getting the results that some of the other people were getting. And when I did a deeper analysis, when I, usually it wasn't even that deep, I find out that they've got issues with their sleep, whether they're not, you know, s- sleeping. And I don't like to use hours, but sometimes it was a severe sleep deprivation or their sleep patterns were all screwed up or the quality of their sleep was being compromised due to various things that we can talk about today. So once we got their sleep sorted out, it's like the floodgates opened so many times. You know, and, and the reason that is, is sleep is known as the anabolic state. It's the anabolic state for a human being. This is when your body actually changes from all of the stimuli you give it during your day, from the exercise you did, from all the food, good food that you're putting in your body. All that stuff really gets driven in deeply 
into your cells, into your tissues when you're sleeping, when all the anabolic hormones are getting produced, the reparative hormones, okay? Even your brain. Your brain goes through a process called memory processing where your short-term memories, the things that you gathered, the data that you picked up during the day gets converted into long-term memories. If you're not sleeping, getting high-quality sleep, let me say, you're not getting that shift in your brain. Your brain is not growing properly. So it was such a shocking revelation to see that people were lacking so much in their health because they were sleep-deprived. Or they might be sleeping enough, quote, hours, enough hours of sleep, but they weren't getting the high-quality sleep and getting the results. So I wanted to sort it out and clear up the confusion about sleep and what it really, the, the inherent value is, and also how do we get the best sleep possible. You know, it's not about hours, it's about quality. So I wanted to package all that information up for people in a way that's digestible, making it sexy again, to talk about sleep, to talk about being the best version of yourself and how that all ties in. And, you know, it was really just a fun thing for me to do. Like, I really poured myself into the writing process, and it came out amazing, and I'm proud and happy and honored to say right now it's the number one bestseller on Amazon in multiple health categories. So people, again, they really uh, connected with the value in the book. And, again, so many different messages I've gotten about the feedback that it's changed people's lives because they improved the quality of their sleep. Yeah, it was real simple to read, and you didn't make the chapters uh, too, too long. I know sometimes I'm reading books and I'm like, man, is this chapter ever going to end? You just right. kind of get, right, <laughs> you just kind of get straight to the point. And a lot of books offer a lot of fluff, but you kind of get straight to the point. You make it really, really easy to understand. And one of the things I wanted to do is rewind with you. And you mentioned anabolic and um, you mentioned in the book also, you just talked about anabolic, sleep being anabolic. But in, you mentioned in the book about being um, a wakeful state as a catabolic state. For those people out there, right. can you kind of explain those two words? Because I don't want people to get confused on the wording sure. of those things because you have a lot of people that turns them off when you start using uh, different words. But can you kind of go back and explain those and what they mean? Absolutely. Sure. It's, anabolic is, is, is basically the building up of something. Anabolic is the growth and development of something. Catabolic is the opposite. It's the breaking down of something. So there are certain catabolic processes. Um, just being awake in general is a catabolic process. Your body is breaking down. Exercise is significantly catabolic. Okay? You're breaking down and actually micro, creating micro tears in your muscle fibers. But that catabolic stimuli, so when you're, when you're in a catabolic process, okay, we need both. Let me, let me take, a, take a step back and say this. We need both because when people hear catabolic, they might think it's a bad thing. This is the whole thing about like yin and yang in our universe. You know, we need both. The catabolic breakdown creates a stressor for our body that we can recover from and come back better. Okay? That's what we really want to do. We're all going to be exposed to catabolic stimuli and we're going to be in a catabolic process every single day, but we want to come back better. And that better happens while you're in the anabolic state, the reparative state of sleep. Mm -hmm. So um, with that, what are the optimal times for us to get the best rest? Between what time and, and what time? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the better question to ask. And, you know, a lot of people would ask, how many hours of sleep do we really need? Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. And as a matter of fact, the cookie-cutter answer of like eight to nine hours of sleep or whatever the case may be, it's just not true, you know, across the board. There are genetic uh, disparities. There's genetic differences that we have that some people can actually function optimally with less sleep. But here's the real thing is that your sleep is like timing and investment. It's not about how much you invest. It's about when you invest, okay, because you can invest a lot. You know, like you can invest a lot of sleep, but we're using the example of and, and money. You can invest a lot of money at the wrong time, and you get pain. You end up in a deficit. You end up getting hurt. Or you can invest a little bit, a little bit of money at the right time, and you can become very, very wealthy. You know, and a little bit that's you know that's in a certain context, right? So it might be a little bit might be ten thousand, a lot might be a hundred thousand. You know, but for the purpose of sleep, what's been discovered is that between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. is what is called the money time. This is when you're getting the most 
significant secretions of these anabolic hormones that I've been talking about. So you're getting the most significant secretions of things like human growth hormone, which is the youth hormone, right? And some people might hear the human growth hormone and they're like, you're talking about Barry Bond. You're talking about <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what, uh, what that track, what, what Marion Jones was using. No, I'm not talking about some synthetic stuff. I'm talking about what your body produces itself, you know. And kids have a tremendous amount of HGH. This is why they got so much energy, you know, and they're running all over the place and the parents are just sitting up there watching them and yelling at them. You know what I'm saying? But the question is, is it a drop in human growth hormone production because we get older, or is it because when we get older, we stop sleeping? You know, we stop sleeping as much. We stop caring about it because we're a big grown-up. Well, here's the truth is that we're all just really oversized babies. You know what I'm saying? We've got the same basic operating system, and it's time to pay more attention to this. You know, so that money time, what it really is is around the hours of like right, right around 9 o'clock, is when your body has an increase in its metabolic energy. But this is for the sole purpose, doing reparative processes. So there's a heightened of energy for reparative processes for when you go to sleep. Now, if you stay up past the time that you're hardwired to go to sleep, that energy is going to get translated into what I call an energy second wind. So you're going to be wired. All of a sudden, it's like 10 o'clock and you're up. Like, I'm just going to watch all the videos ever on YouTube right now. You know, I'm going to watch like five seasons of my favorite show on Netflix. Not five seasons, but five episodes. You know, and all of a sudden you're not tired anymore. And like when you're driving home from work at five, you're like, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. But it just doesn't happen because the person doesn't have the ritual. And they sort of set themselves up on a hormonal sequence to, and lifestyle sequence to be up when that energy kicks on instead of being asleep. This is why people that get to bed earlier at these times get so much higher quality sleep and they feel so much better. You know, that one thing can be so amazing. So anabolic hormone number one that I mentioned was HGH. The other one that you're getting access to is melatonin, right? And melatonin is the get good sleep hormone. You can leverage this hormone to actually get the deepest, most rejuvenative levels of sleep because there's four stages of sleep. You've got the REM sleep levels, one and two, which is like when you're dreaming, uh, rapid eye movement is what the REM stands for. And you've got a decrease in uh, your, your brain waves at the time, okay? The deepest level of sleep is the non-REM sleep, okay? And this is what's quote, called, quote, deep sleep. And if you get melatonin going for you, you're going to get more of that deep sleep. This is why you want to get some, at least some of in those hours of between uh, 10 p.m. and 2 a.m., you know? So at least get to bed. Try 11 or or, um, or even midnight, but the more time you get is going to be like double, you know. So if you get those four hours of sleep between um, 10 and 2, it's on some hormonal levels like getting eight hours of sleep. Not totally. I'm not saying you're going to recover everything and repair everything. I'm not saying to do that, but on some aspects of your body rejuvenating itself, it's that valuable, you know. So I highly encourage people to structure their lives so they get that money time sleep. And you can get up early and do the other stuff you want. You know, by the way, you don't got to stay up and watch, you know, whatever show you're trying to watch. We live, it's like it's 2014 now. Everything ever is recorded. You know what I'm saying? Like you can watch your show tomorrow. You can watch it on, you can binge on the weekend, you know, but it's just a habitual pattern. And people don't value um, feeling good because it's unconscious. They don't value feeling good as much as they do this temporary pleasure of watching a show. But I promise you, when you wake up feeling amazing, you're going to have better relationships. You're going to make more money. You're going to have greater health. You're going to feel better about yourself. Life is going to be better so that you can actually unwind and enjoy your favorite show on your own leisure time. But you're not even going to be worried about it as much because you're too busy enjoying life. Yeah. You know? yeah, I can attest to that, man. I've been I'm making a valiant effort to be in bed by about 930. But matter of fact, as soon as I finish the show, I'm probably going to be winding down here and get in bed. But I remember um, I lived in Atlanta at one time, and I remember the big thing there. This is when I was um, younger. I'm not old now, but younger, younger. And I remember the big thing there we would do, we would always – uh, there's a place called Run and Shoot, 24 hours you could play basketball. And I remember going there and yeah. being about midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, playing full-court basketball. And I don't know, I was like reading your book, and I'm like, man, I was just 
killing myself. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah. Because I know a lot of people do that now. They go to 24-hour fitness yeah. and all these places that stay open 24 mm-hmm. hours, and they work out at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. What's wrong with that? Mm. Oh, man, let me tell you. And the thing, I did the same thing. We played midnight basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the same thing in college. And the thing is, first of all, the people that do that, they're generally going to be younger, you know, mm-hmm. not all the time, but generally they're younger, and they can, quote, get away with that. But the reality is this, is that they're actually accelerating their aging process. You're accelerating your aging process by you ignoring the laws of the body and playing basketball at 1 o'clock in the morning, you know. And here's, here's why. This is what's really going on underneath the surface is that at 10 o'clock, like I already talked about, um, we, we've got like we're hitting the lowest portion of where uh, your cortisol your, your, your main stress hormone that a lot of people are talking about, uh, which is the daytime hormone, okay, this should be at its lowest point in those evening hours. And at the highest point should be the melatonin. These two things are polar opposites of each other, okay? So when melatonin's up, cortisol is down. If cortisol is up, melatonin's down, okay? So what you're doing is you're forcing a heavy cortisol stress hormone secretion, also adrenaline, noradrenaline, all these stress hormones are just shooting off in your body like crazy at the time that you were designed. You have evolved to be asleep at this time. You know, that, those things are supposed to be rock bottom at, at this time. So what's going on is you're creating an inflammatory cascade. You're also um, eliciting genetic programs. And also you're shortening, and I don't want to get too much into this or too complicated with this stuff, but you're shortening what's called your telomeres, right? And your telomeres are... They're essentially the protection on your DNA, the protection at the end of your DNA strands that keep your DNA from breaking down too fast, okay? So you're you're accelerating the clipping off or shortening of these telomeres, the protective things for your DNA, so your body's going to start printing out older versions of you, and they don't even know that it's happening. I didn't know it was happening, but I know that before I knew it, I had this older person illness show up in my life. And for people, it depends on your genetic Weakness, your genetic disposition. For me, it was my spine. For somebody else, it could be their lung tissue or their heart or their, uh, or their, their joints. You know, so they might um, have arthritis symptoms show up very, very quickly. We don't have to go through that stuff. We've got to start to understand and honor the laws of, of how we're designed. You know? And we can still play basketball. There's ample time to play basketball. You know? or, but. It's a real pet peeve of mine, man. Like, these 24-hour gyms, when I see it, it's just like, ah, uh, I just start shaking my head. It's just crazy. <laughs> like, why would you do that to yourself except for the fact that we're lying to ourselves and, and saying oftentimes that this is the time that I've got to do it. It's the only time I've got. Not understanding that you're not even going to get the results that you're going for because you're not sleeping. You know, a study in the Canadian Medical Association Journal showed that when they put people on the same exact diet, same exact exercise program. They took the control group. They slept, slept for over eight hours a night. Then they took the test group. Sleep deprived them. They got less than six hours of sleep per night. At the end of the study, they discovered that the sleep deprived group lost far less weight and far less body fat. Everything else was the same except the sleep. The sleep is the secret sauce. It's the, it's the thing that actually makes everything else work. You know, so this is what's really happening when people are ignoring this and they're up like trying to get a nice Twitter post or Instagram like I'm at the gym at 2 a.m. Yeah, getting it in. <laughs> yeah, you see that's that so a lot. foolish, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, another thing that I noticed too, and this is something that I've noticed. I've kind of um, uh, corrected it now. Now that I know what to do, but I'm a I'm a big boxing fan. So we got the Mayweather Maidana fight coming up here in another couple of weeks here, and um, the second fight. And I used to notice, I would go up to my friend's house and watch the fight. And on my way home, I'm like, man, I got to get me, I got to stop at the store and get me some chips or something. I would just get hungry. And I'm like, why am I getting hungry at night? And I know I just ate not two hours ago. And I'm like, why am I, why am I wanting to reach for it? And it's not anything healthy. It's like I want to reach for something like starchy or carby. Uh, and I right. always wonder why do I always do that when I'm, you know, when I'm up late at night, one, two o'clock in the morning after I finish watching a fight. Yeah. Man, it, this is something that's so interesting. And so many people experience this, you know. And I, the, the last time that was very clear for me was um, the birth of my son. 
you know, when my wife had my son, mm-hmm. um, it was it, he, he was actually born at, two, you know, like 2.11 in the morning. And I went in, and, you know, when she saw me, she looked over at me, and I was over there eating some chocolate-covered raisins, right? <laughs> and these were, of course, they were organic raisins and, and, and um, high-quality chocolate. But the thing was, I don't even eat stuff like that. I'm not interested in it. I don't, like, I'm just not attracted to, I'm not a candy type or sweet type of, um, of eater. It's just not attractive to me. But at that time, I'm just, like, hand in the bag, snacking on them, you know, and it's because of this fact, man, that you brought, that you brought this up, which is so important, is that what studies show is that after just being up for, you know, as little as 20 hours, what happens is we're going to get a reduction of glucose to our brain. Uh, 6% reduction overall. So literally, like, the brain's fuel isn't getting to your head now. It's crazy. But the, the most alarming part is that it's a 14% reduction in what's getting to your prefrontal cortex. And this is the most evolved brain or part of the brain that makes us human. Okay? This is what separates us from any other creature on the planet. It's where we derive our ability to distinguish between ideas to distinguish between what's right and wrong, our social control. So that part of your brain literally starts to starve and wonder why all of a sudden you're making decisions that you normally wouldn't make. You know, you're going for foods that you normally wouldn't go, go for. Number one, willpower is gone. Number two, so it's your willpower versus biology. So you're going to lose long term. But number two is the fact that your brain, if you've ever had a chip, if you ever had a piece of candy or a cake or um, some kind of sweet, if you've ever had that thing, your brain has a neural association lined up to a very, very dense source, quick source of carbohydrates. So as a survival mechanism, your whole biology is going to drive you to getting the nutrition back to your brain as soon as possible. Okay? So you're up running around, and now your biology kicks on because it's trying to save you. All right? So... This, like, survival mechanism turns on because even though we think we're so evolved, you know, just a few hundred years ago, you know, it was dangerous. First of all, a little over 100 years ago, we didn't even have electricity like this, you know. So it was very dangerous to be out at night, you know. This is when you just take shelter. So we're up just ignoring what our bodies are wanting to do. We live in so much technology that, you know, we've got – this historical thing where if, if there's a lack of nutrition getting to our brain historically, it's very, very dangerous, Darren. It could be a situation where, you know, we, we can uh, get killed, you know, because our brain isn't sharp enough, we're not making the right decisions, and we're out, you know, and, and uh, maybe we're not able to procure our food because our brain is starving right now, so your parts of your DNA and your genetics are saying, you know, this person is having a difficult time procuring food. Why else would they be depriving themselves of rest right now, you know. So your body's going to drive you to make poor choices and go for those very, very quick sources of carbohydrates. So, yeah, that's, that's why that's going on. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm like, man, that's probably why I'm, when I was younger I made those bad decisions out at the club, getting these girls' numbers. To, and then you see them yeah, in the man. daytime and you're like, man, why not do that? <laughs> <laughs> So now I can I had a legitimate excuse of why I made those uh, bad decisions. Um, there's a couple of things I wanted you to kind of hit on that um, kind of rang true with me in the book, and um, one was uh, caffeine. I'm here in Florida, and Dunkin' Donuts is big here. I don't know if it's there, but yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. why do they have Dunkin' Donuts open 24 hours? And then you see people that are drinking coffee constantly throughout the day. And I know for myself, if I drink coffee, anything after 3 o'clock, and I do coffee enemas too, but it seems as though anything after 3 o'clock, it keeps me up. Um, when is it, what's a safe realm to use caffeine when, in order that it won't affect your sleep? Nice, great question. Um, a particular study that I cited in the book, they actually had participants they gave them caffeine at three different uh, times. At one time was immediately before they go to bed. Another time was three hours before bed. And then the other time was six hours for bed. All right? So even six hours out. And what they discovered was that all, all of these study participants showed measurable disruptions in their sleep. Okay? 
This is so important and so powerful that even six hours out, individuals were finding that they were um, lacking on getting into the deeper, high-quality levels of sleep. And it was pretty shocking the more and more I looked into the study and just like, so what's going on? Why is caffeine doing this? And what I found out was that caffeine has something known as a half-life of about eight hours, okay? And so what that means is if you consume, say, 200 milligrams of caffeine, you know, like a, a large coffee, right, you consume that, after eight hours, half of it is still in your system. So 100 milligrams is still active, stimulating your nervous system, which would be like a smaller, you know, uh, shot of coffee, right? And then eight hours after that, you still got 50 milligrams active in your system. Now, it depends on your metabolism. You know, some people metabolize caffeine differently, so it could be as little as a half-life of five hours or maybe a little bit less. But some people are really sensitive to this. And it's really important for people to note that this wasn't just, this was an actual um, participant-based study, but they didn't just use, you know, the, what the participants said. They used sleep monitors, and they actually registered and found out that these individuals were not getting as much as their, of their deep stage, stage three, 3 and 4 sleep that we already talked about. And it was a result of them consuming this caffeine. So with all that said, what we want to do is employ a caffeine curfew because it's not that caffeine is like some bad thing. Uh, human, the human body has a great synergy with caffeine, but we have to respect it, you know. So I would say to employ a caffeine curfew, and I generally tell people um, if they're planning on getting to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock to cut it off at 1 or 2 o'clock. So have your caffeine in the morning. And so some people, they started off there, you know, um, or maybe they probably didn't start off in the morning, but they started off just having one cup. You know, maybe they were in school and college, and the first time they had their their, their cup of coffee, you know, their mocha smoke latte, whatever. They're just like, mm-hmm. man, this is the best thing I've ever had in my life. I'm fire. I'm pumped. Bring, on all, bring it all on. Bring it on. Whatever I'm studying or whatever work I'm doing, you know, coffee is amazing. They get that initial stimulation. But what happens over time is that your receptor sites for caffeine get downregulated. So you start to become less sensitive to it. This is why then you bring in the second cup. And some people bring in the third and the fourth. And I've worked with clients who drink 13 cups of coffee a day. Are you kidding me? And wonder why. I'm not kidding, man. And then wonder (laughs) why they've got issues with their nervous system. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, Mm -hmm. I'm not the genius here, man. I I pull the coffee out and they get well. You know what I'm saying? And they're just like, man, I can't believe, you you know, no another physician could help me. Well, why didn't they just ask you about this coffee thing, man? Well, probably because they're doing the same thing you know, oftentimes, and just understanding, like, this is a very, very powerful nervous system stimulant. And it's not something that's just, oh, I just drink coffee and it is what it is. Um, This can actually dramatically impact your sleep quality. And so you're getting lower quality sleep, waking up tired, and what are you going to do? You're going to consume more caffeine. And that creates this vicious circle to get out of. So what we got to do is don't go cold turkey, just ratchet back, okay? And understand that as your nervous system and your endocrine system sorts itself out, you might feel a little bit of low energy um, at some points throughout the day, but you're going to start to get high-quality sleep, and what's going to birth itself is real, sustained energy, feeling good without being dependent on a drug, you know, without being dependent on a very, very powerful stimulant. You know, so you're going to be free of that, and it's going to open up so many more do- doors in your life. And also, you know, there are going to be some other side effects people experience, like the headaches and things like that. That's because of the dilation of your of your, of your blood vessels, you know, mm-hmm. like you're, you're going to have like this decrease, this, um, this uh, decrease in that, uh, in that uh, circulation in your body when you pull the caffeine out, you know. So um, you're going to get a very, very strong rush of, of, of blood circulating in some parts of your body. And in particular, it's not your brain. People think that the headache is happening in your brain. It's actually blood vessels surrounding your skull, all right? And it's just going to be this intense pressure, you know, that you're going to feel all of a sudden. And for some people, it can be very, very difficult for them to get off of caffeine. And that's a telltale sign that you're heavily addicted. So what I would say is, number one, to radically increase your hydration. Make sure you're drinking a ton more water when you're trying to get off of coffee. And also I recommend don't get off completely at one time. Um, lessen it by at least half, and then employ 
some caffeinated teas, you know, so like yerba mate, green tea, uh, pu'er is another tea that's become more popular. So employ something like that to help to buffer that process, but definitely wean yourself off being dependent on caffeine so that you can drink a little bit in the morning, get your charge from that, feel awesome, and then it doesn't uh, mess up the, the rest of your life and your health because of some uh, caffeine habit. Yeah. Hey, we got about 15 more minutes in the show. If uh, any callers out there and you're listening, this is the last call for calls. You can call in at 646-716-93, excuse me, 71, 646-716-9371. So um, getting back to um, this whole thing about, we just talked about caffeine. There's something else I kind of want to talk about, and that was uh, these we are living in the age right now where everybody has a smartphone. It was just about, I think I was the last person without one. I got rid of a BlackBerry about a year ago. But everyone has a smartphone and everybody has an iPad and all these other things that we're playing with. How does that detract from our sleep? Wow. In m- multiple ways, you know, it's not, I'm not some Luddite, you know, it's just like technology is bad. I love my iPhone, you know, and I love my Mac. I love, all the stuff that it allows me to do to connect with people, to, you know, reach out into the, to the hearts and minds of people and, and then change lives. You know, these are wonderful mediums that we never had access to before, you know, but at the same time, we've got to have grace. You know, we've allowed this to infiltrate our lives so much that it's actually damaging our health severely, you know, so there's got to be grace here and being able to utilize these things in a, in a fashion that's going to be serving, serving us, you know, and worthy of us. So, with the smartphone, number one, research shows that upwards of 80% of people between the ages of, I believe it's 18 to 25, and whatever it is I cited in the book, you know, but I haven't talked about this particular thing in a while, but um, upwards of 80% of these individuals are actually sleeping with their phones right next to them, okay? Like sleeping with it in the bed, you know, so the phone is like their teddy bear, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The phone, they've got their adult teddy bear, and it's right there in the bed. Recently, there was a, uh, a big story that was going around. It was like, you know, on the, 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 the morning shows, you know, the, the, the national morning shows and whatnot, showing that a, a young girl had fallen asleep with her cell phone on her pillow, and she almost died. You know, it burned straight through her pillow, and everything caught on fire, whatever. That's just one aspect, the fact that it's just crazy to be sleeping with a phone under your pillow. The second aspect is the fact that the phone is actually emitting electromagnetic frequencies. It's, it's emitting radiation. It has to in order to pick up the cell phone tower. You know, it has to emit a signal all the time, even when it, you're not on it. Okay, some people think that just when I get on my phone is when it's kicking out that radiation and cooking my brain cells. You know, very, very low waves. You know, the, the, the waves are not that strong, but the amount of time that we're on the phone makes it, it's a cumulative thing, you know, that builds up and actually has resulted in their study showing that causing brain tumors, midbrain tumors, and early death for the result of, you know, especially as kids are using, like there's a time, Darren, you and I remember, there wasn't cell phones. No. You know what I'm saying? But now kids are born into it. So they've got this greater lifetime exposure and radically increased incidence. It's like tenfold that they're going to develop brain cancer. You know, so that's one of the biggest reasons. And what's been shown is that as far as disrupting your sleep, uh, this electromagnetic noise has been found to disrupt the communication between the cells of your body and your hormone function. What we've been talking about this whole time, hormone function, you know, cortisol, melatonin, HGH, all these things are going to get screwed up. These things are going to be influenced by your, your phone, and it's something that a lot of times we just don't think about. You know, so sleeping next to your phone is a bad idea on that level, obviously. Second thing is, we don't need to use our phone like a do-it-all, like a Swiss Army knife. We don't need to use our phone as an alarm clock, which is a lot of the excuse people use. Like, no, I can't get my, rid of my phone in my room. It's my alarm clock. How am I going to get up in the morning? Man, what do people do forever? Number one, they just got up. You know what I'm saying? We don't need an alarm clock if you've got your body in, in, in rhythm, in alignment with nature. Uh, number two, just use a regular alarm clock, you know, because and why I'm saying this is the fact that your cell phone is a huge distraction and a ploy. And many times having it right next to you, if any chimes go off or messages come in, what do you think it's going to do? It's going to pull you out of your sleep. Even if you don't answer it, it's still interrupting your sleep. 
And the worst thing that you can do if you're dedicated to living a, a high-quality life, if you're dedicated to being the best version of yourself and accomplishing what your potential is in this world, waking up every day, grabbing your cell phone first thing and then looking through your messages, looking through your email, no matter what goal you have for that day, all of a sudden you're putting everyone else's needs in front of yours because whatever messages, you're, you're automatically putting out fires now and, and responding to everyone else, your text messages, your emails, whatever it might be. Many successful people are making this mistake, and they know it. And many of these successful people are finding out about this information that's instantly smarter, and they're radically changing their behaviors, and they're seeing their productivity radically improve as a result of really taking back control of their day by not you know, uh, putting out fires or answering everyone else's needs before taking care of their own needs in the morning. Yeah, I agree with you, man. When I leave my cell phone home, it just seems like I'm emancipated. Like something happened and I'm emancipated. I don't have to check my email every five minutes or check, you know, what's going right. down on Facebook or respond to somebody right. on Facebook. So you really feel a freeing effect. Um, you got about 10 minutes, and there's three things I really wanted to hit. And um, if you can hit them real quick, I'll let you go. I know your time is valuable. Um, one was sunlight, the effect of sunlight yeah. on our um, – on how that affects our sleep or how that actually helps our sleep, getting more sunlight. The other one is blacking out the room or getting it dark in the room. And then the third one is grounding. I actually wanted to ask you about these sheets because I've never heard of them. When I read the book, I'm like, oh, i got to check those sheets, those grounding sheets out. I've never really heard of those. Um, and then maybe let's talk about orgasms, <laughs> getting good orgasms, how to help our sleep, because I actually quoted you on Facebook about that, um, about the show. Yeah. So. Yeah, so let's tackle the first one, sunlight, and how that um, actually is good for us when it comes to our sleep. Okay. Absolutely. So this goes back to, again, humans being a part of nature. And we all have cycles. You know, uh, oftentimes we, we believe that women are the only ones who have a cycle, but we all have cycles. Or we all have hormonal cycles every single day down to you know, down to the minute, down to the hour, down to the weeks and months. We are most oftentimes we refer to as the month, the moon cycle. But we have daily rhythmic cycles. And by you getting more sunlight, especially between the hours of 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., so the early morning sunrise, sunlight, that elicits your body to secrete more of the natural daytime hormone of cortisol, for the sole purpose of doing activity and waking up your organs, waking you up, all right? This is something, again, our ancestors normally naturally did, all right? So you're going to leverage and help to increase your cortisol at the right time. So this is going to set your body's pattern, set your circadian timing system back on your body and start to get it back on track. So what's been discovered is that, and, and studies support this, which is just amazing, that when you get more sunlight during the day, it's been found to help you sleep better at night. Okay? It might be counterintuitive, but it actually works that way. So getting that early morning sunlight, that allows your body to secrete more melatonin in the evening hours because you're getting your hormonal patterns back on track. So that's the main way that sunlight is so effective. Um, you know, we can do a whole talk about that one. Of course, I dedicate a whole chapter in the book to it. Uh, the second thing, let's go ahead and get to the second thing. That is uh, just sleeping in a dark room because I know uh, that made the difference for me as far as covering up my, um, you know, covering up the LED display on the alarm clock, mm -hmm. covering up the thing. I have a TV in my room, but I'm not a TV type person. Um, I, I, if, TV, if I watch TV, it just throws me all off uh, in the bed, unless it's maybe the weekend, but during the week, I don't yeah. mess with TV. But you know, just covering up those little lights on the TV, on my um, direct TV box and all that stuff made a big difference. And even doing the, the curtains made a big difference. We had some blackout curtains in the room, and that's made a big difference, just getting in that complete dark room and, uh, and getting, getting to sleep. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the research supports this, and the real uh, causative factor is that our skin has receptor sites for light. So even if we're using the eye mask, if we've got light coming in from, you know, street lamps, which is one of the most um, damaging, or they call it uh, light pollution, one of the most damaging spectrums of light is coming in through street lamps. Maybe it's your, your, your neighbor's porch light or something. 
you know, um, signs outside, whatever, if that light's coming in to your, to your home, it's hitting your photoreceptors and it's stimulating uh, production of stress hormones, you know, of, of daytime hormones because your body's picking up light. So it must be daytime. You know, the lumens is one of the categories that they use to rank light. Uh, of the moonlight, is totally different. It's so minuscule compared to our fluorescent bulbs. All right, so it's not that, that all light is bad. Moonlight is great, but just as a general tendency, humans weren't out in the open like that at nighttime. You know, our ancestors, they were taking shelter and, you know, sleeping in cave-like environments or building homes where we were in total darkness, okay? So this is getting back to, again, what you are and getting back in touch with how you're designed. So blacking out that room is so, man, that's the thing for me too. Like that revolutionized my, my sleep. My, it's an event now, you know what I'm saying? Like I so look forward to it because I'm getting such great sleep because I'm sleeping in darkness, and that's really why it works. Yeah. Um, grounding. So uh, last weekend I went to the beach and I got my son in, and I also got to go and put my feet in the sand and play in the water, and I noticed the quality of my sleep just really, really improved. Um, even every time I go to the beach, I don't have any trouble sleeping that uh, when I put my head down on the pillow. But talk about grounding and how important that is for us as human beings. Absolutely. Uh, well, since we're coming up here on time, too, we're going to have to uh, leave a cliffhanger for people about the orgasms and sex and how that affects sleep. So definitely yeah. check that in the book <laughs> because just the topic of grounding itself, I mean, I can talk for hours about it. It's so important and, and so beneficial. Um, so grounding, what that, what that means, or earthing, is when you get the human body in contact with the electromagnetic surface of the earth. All right, so, okay, what does that mean, Sean? Well, your body is conductive. The human body is a conductive. We are, we are running on bioelectricity. And we don't, the, the funny thing is, like, we don't plug into a socket. But if we do, you know, plug ourselves into a, a socket by sticking a metal object in there, for example, you will short-circuit your, your, um, your nervous system. You know, like, we're very, very conductive. This is why we can get electrocuted. This is why we build up static, static electricity and we can shock things. But we don't, we don't realize that we are running on this energy current. When you go in and you see, um, you know, somebody's um, uh, EKG or, or a heart monitor, right, mm-hmm. you see that little boop, boop, boop. That's the, electronic, that's the electrical current. That's electrical current that their heart is kicking out. All right, so we're electrical beings, and we've been deprived of the most giving, vital source of free electrons, okay? Electrons are basically, the, just the, to make it simple, that's energy, okay? Electrons are energy. An electrical event or an electron-derived um, event is going to help to negate a lot of the positively charged events that happen in your body. When we are talking earlier about catabolism or catabolic events, a lot of those are inflammatory processes, and that is a... Um, Reduction in the presence of electrons. Electrons come in through our food, for example. You know, we eat a food that's very rich in energy, you know, in, um, in uh, plant energy, biophoton energy, in electrons. These are what, why we go for antioxidants. They help to buffer uh, inflammatory processes. We know this. Well, here's the thing. Where does all the food come from? It comes from the earth. It actually comes from the earth itself. And we have the ability to go directly to the earth itself with our own bodies, which are conductive, and, to, and the earth is brimming with free electrons to have those to essentially drive themselves up into our tissues and to buffer all these inflammatory events. And one of the things it does is it helps to research, reset your circadian rhythms, it helps to re- reset your uh, hormonal patterns, and get rid of inflammation, as I already mentioned. So by you getting on a conductive surface, so getting out and putting your bare feet into, the, into grass or the dirt or some concrete surfaces are conductive somewhat, but you know directly if you're getting your feet into the grass, that's going to be conductive. Um, the, the, the bodies of water, ocean, sea, that kind of thing, sand, same thing. These are conductive surfaces, and this is why people tend to sleep so good. After you go to the beach, some people fall asleep at the beach. They can't even make it off the beach because your body is reversing all that. <laughs> See, all that electrical yep. charge, and it's helping to reset 
in circadian rhythms. This isn't just uh, anecdotal stuff. There's so much science to back it up, but the anecdotal evidence is try it yourself and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned two things on there real quick, and uh, I'll let you go. Um, you mentioned something, it's some kind of pad or something you said you use, and then you mentioned the sheets, which I wasn't aware. I was aware of grounding, but I didn't know, wasn't aware of the materials out there to help you accomplish it. But um, how do the sheets work um, in accordance with, uh, you know, the, the grounding? Yeah, absolutely. Um, right now my feet are on a grounding mat right now. It's a, they're on an earthing mat. And people can grab these things online. Um, I've got some resources on, over on my website. It's the SeanStevensonModel.com uh, for the stuff that I use myself. And uh, I've been utilizing these earthing technologies for uh, about half a decade at least now uh, with, also, with, with also the bed sheets as well. So while I'm sleeping, my body's just bathing in these free electrons that are conductive coming from the earth. So basically um, you connect it to the grounding um, the grounding plug in, in your electrical outlets. You, you stick the device in there. It tells you how to do that. And mm-hmm. you'll actually get an indication on the device showing whether or not it's grounded. And some of the earlier technologies, actually you get a grounding wire you stick out. Like the one I'm on right now, I've got a grounding wire outside in my house. And it's coming in through my window, and this is the grounding pad that I'm using. And I actually tested this to see was this actually working. You know, was I getting the um, electrical feedback from the earth. And the funny thing was, shocking, you hold this little device, and when you touch the pad, the device lights up. When you get off the pad, the device, the device goes dim again. You know, it's just like, what? So amazing, mm-hmm. so crazy. And what's happening is, you know, uh, people who are familiar with uh, electrical currents and, and, uh, and building homes and things of that nature know that you've got to ground the house because if it gets hit by lightning, it will short out all of your devices. So... Instead, with the grounding that the houses have, if it gets hit by lightning, the, the electricity goes through the house and goes straight into the earth and disperses, right? So that's one of the things. It's uh, in one side of the equation is dispersing inflammation, dispersing that, po- that positive charge. And on the other end of the equation, it's also, again, feeding your body with free electrons, okay? So that I talked earlier about the free version, the easy version we should all be doing, which is to stay in contact with the earth. Or, you know, because it's, it's where we come from. It's where our, everything that we're made of has come from the planet. Getting back connected to that because it's so important. The second thing is the technology that we can use to buffer this thing, you know, so, because we are going to be in our houses more often, if, especially if we're doing shows and things like that. How can we still get some of those results um, and utilize the, the, the power of the earth? And that's why I really enjoy the, the earthing technologies too. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, um, do you have any resources for? We didn't mention this, but you can buy the glasses um, to block out the blue light um, if you're staying up late or anything like that. You have any resources on your your site for that? Uh, I do, and also in the book, I put um, one of the resources I've used. But generally, man, people could just even go to Amazon and get it mm-hmm. for cheap. Just depends on how fashion sensible they want to be, you know. Because some of these orange shades can look like you just built a birdhouse. You know, when somebody comes to your house, like, what are you doing, man? But some of them look really cool and, and, and attractive, you know. So you just go to Amazon and get orange tinted shades. And, you know, I talk about the value of that a little bit more in depth in the book. But, yeah, uh, there's there's so many different resources for that. Yeah, yeah. I think I got a pair on Amazon for, like, five bucks. And they're, like, the aviator ones. And I just wear those when – actually, I forgot to put them on the night while I'm doing the interview. But uh, I usually wear those up at probably about – after eight or so, but yeah, you can go and get those. Sean Stevenson, man, I, it was great to finally get a chance to connect with you and interview you, man. And like I said, I'd love to have you come back at a later date, man, and we just get in and start rapping about nutrition and disease and swapping doctor stories because i got a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> man. It would be my pleasure, man. Yeah, to get you back on. But, man, I do thank you for coming on um, the Perfectly Healthy and Tone radio show tonight. And, again, I hope we can do it again in the future. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sean. Have a good night, man. You too, man. All right. All right. So good show tonight. I hope you got a lot of sleep tips from uh, Sean Stevenson. And you can go and get his book on Amazon. The Kindle version is available on Amazon. You can go on and, and get that version. Um, uh, 
not book doesn't cost a lot at all, and you get a ton of different tips in there, and you get connected to Sean's uh, website. He and I checked out his website. He has a ton of good information on there. So do that when you get a chance. It's called themodelhealthshow.com, or you can just Google Sean Stevenson, S H A W N S T E V E N S O N, Sean Stevenson, and it should come up. Uh, next week, Labor Day weekend, we're actually going to be taking a break. And then the week after that, September 3rd, the first Wednesday of September, I'm going to have Ray Audette on the show. He'll be talking about Neanderthal, his book he wrote um, a couple of years ago. Real interesting book. Um, Ray is a catalog of information, and he tells it like it is. So I'm really excited about him coming on the show. I actually am going to purchase a book this weekend and read it, so I'll be updated on it. Uh, when the show comes up on September 3rd. And then the week after that, we'll finally uh, get Carla on the show. I think uh, it might be the weekend of that. Don't quote me on that. Or she'll be talking about her raw feeding Miami. And we'll get more into pets. I have a pet, and we'll talk about the importance of raw feeding your pet. But we'll also be talking about the importance of eating things, um, you know, grass-fed for human beings as well, because she does uh, sell uh, meat that's grass-fed um, as well. So we'll be doing that. And then I am looking forward to two other guests for the month of September. I have not confirmed them yet, but it will be uh, two really good shows. One will be on chocolate, the benefits of chocolate. I'm not going to tell you who that guest is. Um, hopefully I'll be able to um, confirm her. And then uh, in light of what happened with Robin Williams, uh, I'm looking to get someone else to come on and talk about depression. Uh, probably a month later this happened, but I think it's important for those people out there who might be suffering from depression. Just natural things that you can do. And the person I'm going to ask to come on the show, she has a ton of information, has been working with people who have been depressed, uh, have addiction issues for many, many years. So hopefully I will be able to uh, book her on the show. So until next time, thank you for listening to the show. And I'll see you next time, same fat time, same fat channel. Peace and love, y'all.